0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making theology central. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, August the 13th, 2022. It is currently 8.47 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. And I have a very important question to ask you, a very important question. Do you honestly, honestly, deep down, do you honestly and deep down want to learn the absolute best method of Bible study ever created? I mean, do you honestly want to know how to study the Bible using the best method ever put together? Honestly, now, now, you, you may want to say yes, uh, but it's easy to say yes. It's easy to say yes. Yes, I want to learn how to study the Bible and then never apps, never actually use it in any meaningful way. It's one thing to learn how to study the Bible. It's another thing to actually put it into practice. All right. Someone in the chat just said maybe. I can understand. And I like the honesty because when, when this Bible study method, that you are about to start learning starting tonight, or at least you're going to get an overview of tonight is easily the most comprehensive method of Bible study that I, I think exists. And you may say, no, there's others. Maybe, maybe there are others, but I think others would simply be modifications of this. And in in reality, what I'm going to be starting to give you tonight, or at least an overview of, is really modifications of other ideas that are out there that I've tried to kind of put together. Now, some people have put together some of these parts, I'm putting together really uh, even an additional part to it to make it the most comprehensive method of Bible study out there. But do you really want to learn how to study the Bible? And I ask that question because in my estimation— throughout what I have seen in my Christian life, is most Christians really don't want to know how to study the Bible. They want to know some things about it. They may want to read it. They may want to do some devotionals. But when it comes to the hard work of Bible study, the reality is most Christians are just kind of like, you know, I'll listen to sermons, I'll go to church. But I they're not that committed to really the hard work of Bible study, because that's the reality. Bible study is hard work. It requires effort. It requires discipline. It requires time. It, it, it 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 requires being willing to deal with lots of frustrations and lots of unanswered questions. So I don't know if people really want it, but I want to encourage you at least to learn the method, right? I mean, even if you decide you never want to use it, Maybe just knowing the different uh, elements to this comprehensive method of Bible study will at least give you some tools that you may use in a much smaller way, but I I, I still think it could be beneficial. Let, Let me just say this. Here's the reality, all right? Let's just have a reality check. Before we do anything else, let's have a very, very harsh reality check. If you look at the state of Christianity, Almost everyone agrees that right now... Christianity is in a very bad place, right? Christianity is being hijacked by political ideology. Christianity is divided and that the church people all over the place are biblically illiterate. They're theologically illiterate. They, they don't really know how to study the Bible. They don't study the Bible. They don't know the Bible. And it's, I mean, it's been talked about in article after article and study after study that they've, they've like, this is a crisis. The church is in crisis. There is a it's almost like a departure from scripture. Instead of everyone running to the Bible as everything is falling apart, it's almost like everyone is running from the Bible and grabbing on to let's grab on to this and this ideology and this idea and this concept. And they're like, "No, we need Christians to get back to the word of God." And as things continue to get worse and worse and worse, the church continues to fall apart and apostatize. We need Christians out there who are like, no, it is the word of God. That is what we need to. But the reality is the situation is bad. And I mean, I could sit here and spend an hour trying to go through articles talking about how bad it is, but it is bad. And we've got to get people back to the word of God, but just getting them back to the word of God, they need to be taught how to rightly divide it, how to handle it in a correct way. Because right now, I mean, come on, look, this has been true for a very, 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 very long time. I mean, we know about the divisions within Christianity. We can't seem to agree on anything, but Christians now will say things that are just so unbiblical and think in a way that's so contrary to biblical concepts, biblical principles, and biblical wisdom. It's like that. so many Christians can't even see how their thinking is so contrary to the Word of God. We've got to get people back to the Word of God. We've got to call people back to it. But just saying, hey, read your Bible, study your Bible, look to the Bible. Yeah, and they look to it, read it, and then rip things out of context, and then use it for whatever their agenda is. No, they have to be taught what to do with it. And I think this one of the solutions is handing everyone a comprehensive method of Bible study, or what I'm referring to as the best method of Bible study. Now, if you look up the word comprehensive, the definition of comprehensive is complete, including all or nearly all elements or, or, or aspects of something. So if something is comprehensive, it is complete. So this is a comprehensive method of Bible study, Therefore it's a complete Bible study method. It includes almost all or nearly all elements. Or aspects of something. Almost everything you need is going to be right here. It's, put it this way. I'm going to call it complete. Oh yeah, I could argue, well, you need a little bit of this and need a little bit of that. I, I, and I, maybe, maybe I'll add some of those elements to it. But this is about as close as you can get to say, just give me basically one method of Bible study that I can use that is comprehensive, that will give me as much as I possibly need. There are smaller methods that are very, very, very useful. The devotional method is super useful because you can use it in any setting, and you can do so in probably, you know, take 15, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and at least you have a method of Bible study. But it's nowhere close to comprehensive. The chapter summary method, I will, I typically will tell people it's one of the most important, but it's nowhere near comprehensive. The, uh, the thematic, the topical, word study all super important methods of bible study but they are not comprehensive they're missing something so this is an attempt to give you the most comprehensive method that you can use but well, i've got to i just i have to tell you like look there i can't pretend here this one is difficult all right. I know uh, I was talking to someone about, you know, uh, how to sell this, how to, how to sell this. And I and I I could try to come up with a way to sell it to try to convince you, oh, it's going to be fun. But I have to be honest with you. It's going to require work. But in some ways, I think that's the right way to sell it. Look, think of it this way. The dedication you demonstrate to something typically shows you the value which you place upon that thing. Your dedication to something, or think of it this way, the price you pay for something typically demonstrates the value you give to that like okay I could buy this TV or this TV but clearly I think this one is better so you pay a a more expensive price because you value the spec the the specifics about this particular TV you 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 think this one is better you the money you pay shows you how much you value it right the the dedication you show to something shows you how much you value it if you dedicate if you if you value Physical fitness. Well, then you dedicate yourself to waking up at five o'clock in the morning to stop by the CrossFit gym on your way to work, or or to run three miles, or whatever the case may be. That shows you that you value that. Your dedication shows you. Well, I I, I talk about it all the time, especially when I used to drive to the church to do all of my podcasting. I as soon as I get on the the, the highway up here, about a couple of blocks from my house. Um, as soon as I leave the housing, the residential area, the housing development, and I, and I get on the access road and then finally get on the, on the freeway, get on the highway, the right almost within three or four minutes, right to the right is a CrossFit gym, right? Well, guess what? I've driven past that at all hours of the day and there's people there doing CrossFit. That's because they, their dedication shows you how much they value it. Well, if, if Christians, do we truly value the Bible as the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God that is, you know, we to be desired more than gold and silver, more than the honey and the honeycomb? Do we really, really, really value the word of God that way? We say we do. We talk such a big game. The Bible's inspired. It's infallible. It's amazing. It's great. It's the word of God. You better respect it. You better not deny it. But then what we really show is, eh, well, you know, maybe I'll study it. Maybe I won't study it. Well, that, that your dedication to the study of God's word shows actually how much value you place upon it. And I've talked about it before. If the church has to cancel something, for a fellowship, for a picnic, for anything, they're going to cancel the preaching. That's what they cancel. Why? Well, because, well, in many cases, we value other things. So I, I guess the only way to sell this comprehensive method of Bible study is to tell you it's going to require work. However, if you value God's word, you'll dedicate yourself to said work. I mean, is that, is that a good way to, is that a good way to sell it? I don't know. I I don't know, but it's the way I'm going to. It's the word of God and it requires, look, if we're going to properly understand the word of God, I mean, I I guess think of it this way. Why would we ever think we can understand the word of God without dedicated, systematic, in-depth study? It's the word of God. It's not just some fifth grade level book. It's the word of God, the all-knowing, eternal, sovereign God gives us His word. I, I would, I would just think, just logically speaking, it's going to require every bit of our commitment to even come close to unraveling it. Now, I know that that within many Christians, they hold to a kind of a theological perspective. It says, no, 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 no. The word of God can be easily understood. But 2,000 years of church history, division, 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 no one agrees, no one agrees, no one agrees, screams to me, it's not as easy to understand as some people put forth in their theology. I know some people put forth in theology. No, the Bible can be easily understood by a child, and it can be, you know, it can still still baffle the the greatest minds. No, I think the Bible requires great work and effort to even hope to come to some kind of understanding that should actually bring us closer together instead of dividing and tearing us apart. But every time people get near the Bible, it usually tears people apart. And I think because they're not equipped to handle the word of God, you can't just read it and say, it means this. You've got it. What is your method? How are you taking it apart? You need a comprehensive method. So the reality is there's a million things screaming at us. We've got to get back to the Bible. That's the reality. The only solution to get people back to the Bible is we got to do more than hand them a Bible. We got to equip them and give them the tools they need to rightly divide the word of God so that they can understand it correctly, interpret it correctly, apply it correctly, So that they can live according to it correctly to the, obviously we're never going to do so perfectly, but you understand we need, we need that. So there's the reality. What's the solution? A comprehensive method of Bible study. That's what I'm going to start. I'm going to introduce it tonight. And then over the next probably week or two, that's all we're going to be talking about. You're All you're going to be doing is learning this method to get us prepared for where we're going. Because in a couple of weeks, we're going to start studying some minor prophets. And we're going to be using this this method to take these books apart. Now, in reality, what I'm about to give you really is four separate methods of Bible study. They're four separate. They can be done on their own you you can do them individually, like I'm just going to use this method i'm going to do use this method and and in reality, that's kind of how it works you, you basically method one is step one, method two is step two, method three is step three, method four is step four method one step one method two step two if you, so you in some ways you kind of do them individually, and then you're going to place put all of your work together and say, "Here it is." The best, you know, the best Bible study method, the most comprehensive Bible study method ever designed. That is what we're going to try to accomplish. And that can get confusing, all right? Because you're going to be like, wait a minute, is it one or is it four? It's one, but it's made up of four separate methods. Now, listen to me. If we go back to Martin Luther the reformer, right? Martin Luther, 1500s, right? We we know all about, we don't have time to go to a church history lesson, but Martin Luther, who is sometimes credited, obviously with beginning the, the great reformation in the 16th century, 1500s, not only restored the Bible to the common people, but also gave some particular suggestions for Bible study. So he gave some suggestions on how to, hey, hey, everyone should be able to have the Bible. Everyone should be able to read it. Obviously, he, he ultimately argued against the church's authority to say that we're the only ones who can interpret it. And this, he all kind of handled now the, the authority of interpreting the Bible to every individual. We could talk about the unintended consequences of this, but okay. So, but so if you're going to kind of say, Hey, everyone, here's a Bible. You can study it and you can interpret it. You, you immediately realize I got to give them some kind of instructions and in how to do so. And he kind of gave them kind of uh, some instructions that really have become different methods of Bible study. Let me just read here. Now, I believe Luther misses something. I believe Luther misses something here. You, you can tell me what you think. So listen, listen to this carefully, all right? So Martin Luther, the great, re- the, the, the great reformer of the Great Reformation in the 16th century, the 1500s, he restored the Bible to the common people, and he gave some practical suggestions for Bible study. He once said, and I quote, Uh, He once said that the study of the scriptures, that he said he studied the scriptures in the way he gathered apples. So Luther said that he studied the scriptures in the same way he gathered apples. Now, here begins the quote. First, I shake the whole uh, apple tree. This is the study of the Bible as a whole. That the ripest might fall. Then I climb the tree and shake each limb. This is a study of the whole book. Then each branch. This is a study of a chapter. Then each twig. This is the study of the paragraphs and sentences. Then I look under each leaf, the study of single words. So let's go through that again. This is according to Luther. First, he shakes the whole apple tree. This is the idea of studying the Bible as a whole. Then, and he does so so that the ripest fruit may fall. Then he climbs up into the tree and shakes each limb. This is the studying of a whole book. Then he he shakes each branch. This is the study of a chapter of a book. Then he, he shakes each twig, which is the study of the paragraphs and sentences. And then he looks under each leaf. This is the study of the single words. All right, now, I feel he misses something here because he starts with immediately in a sense shaking the tree he immediately goes to the sh- the tree and starts shaking the tree and I think there is something that must be done before that there before we can even touch the tree we need to step back and see something that see what lies in a sense that, that comes in a sense before the tree, right? That kind of, how did the tree get there? Where did the tree come from? Like, we've got to know something about the, what type of tree is it? How, how did the, just, we need to know something about the tree before we just run over and start grabbing and shaking the tree. So I think he gives us some, some great ideas here, but I think we, there's something to this. So here's what we're going to do. The next methods that I'm going to give you, they all go together. Because the four methods that I'm going to give you really make up one. These are basically four steps in studying a book of the Bible. When you combine the four that I'm about to give you, you will have the most comprehensive approach to studying the word of God. Now, yes, it's going to require extra work. It's going to require extra effort. It's going to require extra time. But, but when it's over, when it's said and done, your understanding of a book of the Bible should be at the most comprehensive it's ever been. You need the look, if you're going to, if you're going to have a comprehensive understanding of the Bible, of a book of the Bible, of anything in the Bible, you need the most comprehensive method in order to get that comprehensive knowledge. So if you want comprehensive knowledge, you need a comprehensive method. Without a comprehensive method, you do not have a comprehensive study. Most people have very, 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 very not comprehensive methods. They're, they're missing something. They're not adequate. And so, therefore, their knowledge is not comprehensive. Now, here's what's frustrating, though. People who don't really have a comprehensive method will be the first ones to say, well, boom, it's easy. Everyone should be able to figure that out. Hey, the interpretation is this. And you're and you just looking at them going, that's the most incomplete, uncomprehensive understanding of the text that I've ever heard in my life. And that's not to be condescending. It just means, because, and, 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 if, and if you're ever hesitant to say that, then don't say it that way. Just ask, what, what, what was your method? How did, how did you come to this conclusion? And when they start not even really being able to present an actual method, then you have to kind of realize, then how can they have a comprehensive understanding if they did not even use anything that even remotely looks like a comprehensive method? If you want comprehensive understanding, you need a comprehensive method. Some Christians don't want a comprehensive method. They're happy to settle with something far less than comprehensive. I want to know it. I want to understand it. Now, the more I know, the more I understand the more i realize how sinful i am and how far i have fallen short in everything in thought word and deed and what i've done and what i've left undone i think the more we study god's word the more we we realize our own sinfulness and we are we are we are pushed and driven to the grace of god so i so but so it's not that i'm saying that i want a comprehensive study so that i can tell everyone how righteous i am i think the more you study the more how you realize how how much how unrighteous you are. I think that's really the sign of good Bible study, but that, that's a whole different podcast episode. But the point is, comprehensive study requires a comprehensive method. And what I'm going to give you is four methods that become one method, and you will have the most comprehensive, but it will, will require work, it will require effort, and it will require time. That will, what will determine if you will use that effort in that time is how much you value The Bible. And if you value it, then it won't even feel like work. It will feel like I am digging into the greatest thing ever. It it really comes down to that. All right. Now, this is very important. You open up your Bible, you see almost instantaneously, you realize that God's revelation has been placed into what we call books. So we have to study these books. We have to, so we have to do, we have to approach these books in a certain way. We need to know the background of the books, right? Then we have to look at the books as a whole. Then we have to examine the parts. And then we have to, and then we have to finally put our study together to see the whole again. So in a sense, we start with the, think of it this way, from the background to a whole book, to the parts of the book, and then we put it together to see the whole again. We go from the background to the whole book, to the parts of the book, put it all together so that we can see the whole thing again. We go from the background to the book to the parts to putting it all back together so that we, in a sense, can see the completed picture or the completed puzzle. Maybe that's a better way of looking at it. We have to start with the background, then the whole, then the parts, then put it all back together to say, here is the completed puzzle. Here's the completed picture. Here's the comprehensive understanding that I've so been working to find. All right? I think that makes sense. So this is going to be our approach. You can write down the following words. Background. Survey, analysis, and synthesis. Background, survey, analysis, and synthesis. So we're going to go from the background to a survey. We're going to go to the background of the book, the survey of the book, to the analysis of a book, to the synthesis of a book. Now, in most cases, uh, the navigators have many books on certain kinds of of, of Bible study, and they typically will put together analysis or, or survey, analysis and synthesis. And some say Luther's approach is more of a survey, analysis, synthesis approach. But I think Luther missed the background approach. You got to have the background. So mu- so so much of our misunderstanding of books of the Bible is because we don't understand the background of the book. We we. We read the books with a certain way of thinking that in many cases contradicts the actual background to the book and the background of the book may actually help us with our survey, our analysis and synthesis. In other words, if we misunderstand the background of the book, our survey analysis and synthesis will be misguided and will lead us to wrong conclusions. So that's why I think the background has to be included. So that's going to be our approach. I want you to write these four words down and just place them everywhere over the next couple of weeks. Background, survey, analysis, synthesis. Background, survey, analysis, and synthesis. Look. It, I will go so far to say, if you've ever wanted a tattoo, that's what you need to go get a tattoo. Have those words. Background, survey, analysis, and synthesis. Get it tattooed. I, I, I'm not calling for you to get a tattoo, but I'm saying, but if you are, that's what you get. Background, survey, analysis, and synthesis. Write it down everywhere because those four words put together gives you the most comprehensive method of Bible study. And if you want a comprehensive knowledge, You need a comprehensive method. My job is to try to give you that method. So for the next probably 30 minutes, that's a 26-minute introduction. We're going to survey. We're going to, well, we're going to do an overview, right? We're going to do an overview of these four methods. Background, survey, analysis, and synthesis. Then we will, then in the days to come, we will go back and I will teach you the background method. Then I will teach you the survey method. Then I will teach you the analysis method. And then I will teach you the synthesis method. That's what I'm going, that's how I'm going to do, do so. Four separate, but then you're going to put them together. So for example, I, I'm i going to say the book of Micah. All right, here's your, here's your assignment, the, the book of, or the book of Amos, for where, where, whichever Minor minor profit, uh, whichever minor profit we're going to be studying, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the book and say, go do a background method. Are you done? Okay, now go to the survey method. All right, are you done? Now go to the analysis method. Are you done? Now do the synthesis. Now we may only be able to do all four on one book. We may, we may not be able to, but the minor profits are smaller books, right? And the smaller the book the greater chance you have of success at least getting through it one time. But by the time you're done, guess what? Whatever book I give you, you're going to be like, dun, dun, da-da, I have comprehensive knowledge, all right? Now, I don't want it to lead to spiritual pride, but I want you to be able to go, wow, wow. I think I understand that book better than I ever have in my life. Now, hopefully you'll also be like, and wow, I'm a sinner. And wow, I'm convicted. And wow, I need the grace of God. Hopefully it will humble you. But at the same time, I want you to be able to honestly say, now that's comprehensive. I want you to see the difference in how you have studied versus after you've done a comprehensive method of Bible study going, wow, the difference is night and day. All right. So what are the words again? I say, I I prefer to teach these kinds of things in front of a live audience, but what I want everyone to say is background, survey, analysis, and synthesis. I want you to, I want you to find someone in your family and say, hey, whenever you see me over the next probably six weeks, I want you to say, what are the four? And you, you need to look at them and go background, survey, analysis, and synthesis. I want want them to just like three in the morning be waking you up going, come on, what are the four? What are the four? And you're gonna open your eyes going, background survey, analysis, synthesis. Get out of my room. Okay. I don't care. I don't, you're in the shower. I want them yelling at you. What are the four? I, I, wherever you are, I want you to know these. Four. Okay. All right. If you have kids, tell them to call me and I'll give them some great ways to bother you at times where you don't want to be bothered. So that, you know, like, what are the four? What are the four? And I want you to be able to say, background, survey, analysis and synthesis, but I want you to say it with, with a smile on your face. I don't want you to be like, mm-hmm, background, survey, anal-. I No, don't get irritated. It's good to, to, that you know these four, right? So whenever you get, whenever, I don't care where you are. If your church says, hey, we're going to be studying the book of First John, I want you to immediately go, background, survey, analysis, synthesis, if, if any of those four are missing in your church's study of a book, wasn't comprehensive. Lack of a comprehensive study leads to a lack of comprehensive knowledge. Oh, come on, that's, that's good stuff. Okay, all right, you ready? Here we go. Let's begin our overview. We're at the 30, 31 minute mark. So I got 29 minutes to try to do this. Let's go quick. Just an overview. I'm just giving you the overview. We're, 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 we've got a drone and we're just gonna fly over, right? Down below, those are the four methods and you're just gonna see them from above, okay? Here we go. Number one. The book background method. The book background method. In fact, do I want to change the name of it? Do I want to change the name? I don't think I do. We're going to, call, we're going to call it the book background method. That's what we're going to call it. All right. Sometimes I'm, I'm always modifying how I ch- teach these. I'm always modifying always, always, always because I, I want to make it easy for you to understand. I think book background method, you can get that, right? Just, but just remember the word background or just call it background method, background. And that gives you an idea. The background method. That means you're not necessarily studying the book. You're studying the background. You're, you you want to know where did this come from? How did it get here? What is the history? What is, you want to know everything about? You want to know what lies behind the book. You want to know what lies behind the book. I, I cannot I cannot I, I I can't even explain that if you want to know what lies behind the book. All right? So think of it this way, all right? And and I I want to jump right into the background, but let's just let's just once again kind of a a a, a view of the four. So so we're we're gonna we're gonna at least look at these four in, in some level. Just remember background survey analysis and synthesis. So we're gonna start with the background, right? But the background is there to help you see what lies behind the book, underneath the book, beyond the book, how whatever however you want to describe it. But let's let's break it down this way. The background, first we're going to look at the background, what lies behind the book. Then we're going to make an initial survey of the book to see it as a whole. This is our telescopic view. Then we're going to take the book apart chapter by chapter and do a detailed analysis of each one. And then we're going to look at all the details through a microscope. Finally, we will put it all together again in a synthetic study in which we summarize the book as a whole and produce our own outline. The process moves from the whole or it moves from the background to the particulars back to the whole. So you, if you want to, you can write it out this way, just to, just before we jump into the background, think of it this way, background, we see what lies behind the book. I'm going to continue to describe the background that way. What lies behind it? What lies behind it? Hey, yeah. You see the, you see, you're looking at the stage. I want to know what's behind the curtain. I see the book. I open up, I open up my Bible and I see 1st John. Okay. I need to know what lies behind 1st John. I see, I'll I'll give you my best example of this. And, and I, and I've got to hurry to try to get through all of this. I've talked about this so many times. The book of Hebrews. Oh, man, people get into Hebrews and they start wanting to talk. Can you lose your salvation? No, you can't lose your salvation. Well, how do we understand the warnings? Well, the warnings seems to indicate you can lose your salvation. And if you lose your salvation, you can never get it back again. No, you can lose it, but you can get it back. No, you can't lose it. And everyone wants to immediately go to a soter. They, they see, all they see is a soteriological argument. They see soteriology, an argument about salvation and whether you can lose it. And how do we understand these warnings? And every time I start hearing people do that, I want to scream Study the background. What's the background? Well, the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jews. Okay, that's very important. Oh, he's writing it right before 70 AD, 66, 67, 68 AD, maybe 65 AD. But put it this way, it's getting really, really close to the religion of the Jews. Judaism is about to be wiped off the face of planet Earth. Right? Because the destruction of the temple is coming. Guess what happens when the temple is destroyed? There's no more sacrifice for sin. There's no more covering. There's no more priest. There's no more high priest. There's no more sacrifice. There's no more anything. So the Jews need to say, hey, if you keep holding on to this, there will be no salvation because everything you're holding to for salvation is about to be destroyed. This is not so much a soteriological argument. It's a historical argument about a reality that's going to wipe Judaism off the face of the earth. So if the priest is going to be gone, the temple's going to be gone, the mercy seat's going to be gone, everything's going to be gone. What do you need? You need not only a replacement, you need something better because, well, those things required continual action. We need one sacrifice, one high priest, one, in a sense, mercy seat, one temple. We need something better. It points to Jesus as better for a system that's about to be destroyed. You've got to know the background. And then you look at it more from that historical perspective than immediately looking at it from a soteriological perspective. First John, you need to see that it's a good possibility that first John is a polemic against Gnosticism. Then if you read it that way, it doesn't turn into, well, you don't do this. You're not saved. You don't do, no, this is about what are you following Gnosticism? Or are you going to follow the true gospel? It's more of that kind of thing. But those are the background. So the first thing we have to do is we have to look at the background so that we can see, listen, what lies behind the whole book. Then we do a survey. We get a bird's eye view of the book. Then we analysis everything in each chapter in detail. Then we analyze everything, everything in a chapter and every detail. Then a synthesis. We put it all back together and draw some conclusions. So we go background, see what lies behind, survey, bird's eye view of the book, analysis, everything in the book, synthesis, put it all back together. Background, what lies behind. Survey, bird's eye view of the whole book. Analysis, everything in each chapter. I, I guess that's a, a better way of putting it. Everything in each chapter. Synthesis, putting it back all together. The background, the survey, bird's eye view of the whole book. The analysis, everything in every chapter. Now, at once, and once you get there, just think about it. In the analysis, when you're looking at everything in every chapter, it's going to start feeling like a million puzzle pieces and you're going to start getting overwhelmed and you may be getting ready to have a panic attack. And then the synthesis comes along like, I can put it all back together. All right. Now, now we can jump to the the book background method. I almost wanted to jump. I wanted to jump ahead because I saw the time, but I I stopped myself. All right, here we go. The book background method of Bible study. The book background, and this is number one. This is step number one. The book background method involves gaining a better understanding of the biblical message by researching the background related to the passage, person, event, or topic being studied. Simply though, we're going to look at it from this perspective. The book back, We're going to be researching the background to the whole book. Everything about the background of the book. This is going to involve geography, historical events, culture, political environment at the time a particular book was written. So we're going to look at the background by looking at things like, number one, geography. Number two, historical events. Number three, cultural events. Number four, the political environment at the time. We can also think of the philological climate at the time. We're just going to look at anything in the background. Think of it this way. The book background is going to force you to look at the background of the book to anything in the background that helps you understand the book before you ever touch the book. What is there in the background that equips me to touch the book. Think of it this way. If you don't do the background study, you don't need to touch the book. I know people are going to be like, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do all of this. That's fine. You don't have to, but just don't walk around pretending you have a comprehensive understanding of it. What is there in the back? Some books... The background is absolutely essential. Sometimes you're going to look at the background and go, okay, maybe, maybe not, right? That's what we're going to do. Now, why are we going to study the background? In order to get the full impact of what a biblical writer is saying, it is necessary to transport ourselves back into the time in which he lived. When you touch the Bible, you're looking at something that was, that, that is dealing with things a long time ago. You were removed by thousands and thousands of years by a different language and a different culture. And you think you can just pick it up and just boom, just read it. And all of a sudden you, you have some expertise. You're dealing with something that's removed. You're removed by thousands of years. Thousands of miles, a different part of the country, a different part of the world, a different culture, a different political environment, theological environment. Everything is different. You walk into it completely clueless unless you stop and go, wait, 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 wait. Okay, that's the book you want me to touch? I gotta go do, I gotta go, I gotta do a deep dive into the background because I've gotta understand all of these things, right? I I gotta transport myself back into the time in which, which, This book was written. I got to go back to that time. Uh, We are centuries removed from the biblical, from biblical times, and we must try to see their world through their eyes. We have to feel what they felt. Then we can understand uh, how the spirit of God used them to write what they did. So we have to go back. We've got to see, listen, the background is, is, is there to help you try to see their world through their eyes. It's to try to help you feel what they felt. It's try to help you understand what they understand and what they understood. You you have to go back and go I I I got to see it from their perspective. I got to I got to I got to live in this. I got to breathe this. I got to I got to understand the background. And so then when you step into the book you're going like, "Oh, oh, 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 I know what's going on here. I know what's going on here. I know." See, there was a temple in the city and there were temple prostitutes or whatever the case may be. Oh, oh, I know what was going on here. There was a, there was a, a Gnostic leader that was causing John all kinds of problems. Okay, I know. Oh, wait, wait. The temple was about to be destroyed. Oh, wait. I, you, When you can go back, once you enter into the book, things make sense. You're like, oh, I know what they're talking about. Oh, I know why they're saying that. Oh, now I know. Without the background? Guess what you do? You replace their background with your own background and you make it about you instead of them. And the minute you make the Bible about you instead of the original people it was written to, you've already destroyed. Your Bible study is so flawed, it's not even funny. One of the primary rules of interpretation states that since the Bible was written in the midst of history, it can only be understood more fully in light of that history, let me say that again. This is a primary rule of interpretation. The Bible was written in the midst of history. It can only be understood in more fully and light of that history, or I would like to say it this way. The Bible was written in history, in the midst of history, and it can only be understood in light of that history. If you, want to, if you don't understand the history, you can't understand the book because the book was written in the midst of history. You cannot interpret the Bible correctly if you ignore the influence of the times in which it was written. Serious Bible students will always want to know the geographical, historical, cultural, and political backgrounds of the passage or the book they are studying. Furthermore, before we can understand the way we are to apply the the message to us today, we must first be sure how it was applied during the times it was first written. If we try to interpret and apply scripture according to our own age and culture, we will quickly destroy the text. Often a statement, a word, a custom or or event in another culture or time uh, will be understood in a sense totally different from the meaning we attach to it today in our country. We can't attach our culture and our background to it. We've got to understand it in light. It was written in the midst of history and it can only be understood in light of that history. You don't know the history. You don't know the background. You don't understand it. You don't understand it. You misinterpret it. You misapply it. You destroy it. And I challenge you, if you're a Sunday school teacher, just walk in tomorrow morning. Say, grab a piece of paper. All right, I want the historical Background for Genesis, go. Exodus, go. Leviticus, go. What do you think? When you're done with all 66 books, what do you think is going to be written on those papers? But guess what? Just throw out some, just just open up the Bible and say, I think this passage means this, and watch everyone in the room start arguing and acting like they know. They don't have a clue about the background of any of the books, but they all think they're theologians when it comes time to say, no, 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 I think it means this. Based off what? You don't even know the background of it. And I know that sounds so condescending, but it's not. Someone has to look at someone in a loving way and go, wait a minute. What gives you the, the idea that you can just walk into the book and interpret it without having a clue of the times in which it was written or anything that was going on? That's the arrogance. I I think there's a built-in arrogance in the minds of many Christian. I can I can just open it and boom, I understand it. Well, clearly it doesn't work that way because two thousand years of church history shows that nobody can agree on anything. Maybe we we don't even touch a book until we like. Okay, what do we know about the background? Come on, what what do we know? What do we know? What do we know? What do we know? Yeah, you. I get fired up on this. I get fired up. So there's the background. All right. There's the. the and, and we've got. We, we just remember we're so removed from all of it. We've got to know that background. We before I look. I get ready to open the Bible. All right. Okay. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna flip open the Bible. Ezekiel. Boom. Okay. What's the background? What do I need to know about the background? The the history, the culture, the context, the political environment, the religious environment, the theological environment. I've got to know some stuff or I'm going to go in, think of it this way. If I don't know this stuff, I'm going to, I'm going to replace it with whatever I want. And that means I'm rewriting the text. I'm destroying the Bible. There's the background. Now we go from background to, come on class. We go to survey. Now a survey study, we'll call this, we'll call this one. We got the book background method. We'll call this one the book survey method, the book survey method, the book survey method. If I can get back to my notes, the book survey method, this involves gaining a sweeping overview of an entire book of the Bible. It is taking a skyscraper look or a telescopic view of a book by reading it through several times without stopping to consider the details. Then you ask a series of background and content questions and draw, well, you can basically create a chart of its contents in order to gain a general understanding of the writer's purpose, theme, structure, and content. So think of it this way. The book survey is you're just basically trying to see the big picture of the book so that you can understand the writer's purpose, the theme, the structure, and the content. You're gonna survey the book To understand the writer's purpose, the theme, the structure, and the content. And you're already going to have the background to go with it. So after you've done the background, now you're going to do the book survey. You're basically are just going to look at the whole book so that you understand the purpose, the theme, the structure, and the content. Now, there is a chart you can make. I always throw the chart out. I throw the chart out because I can't make charts. But some of you are chart-driven, so maybe I'll have to include the chart. All right, here we go. Now, why are we going to use the survey? Well, the the Bible is really 66 different books compiled under one cover. Each book is unique. It has an important message for us today. The book survey method is a practical way to master the general contents of a single book. Doing a book survey is the first part of of a larger Bible study method or the second part. See, a, a lot of people will say the first part But it's really, I think I think you've got to do the, I think you have to do the book background first. So in reality, if you do the survey as the second part, right, then you do analysis and then you do synthesis, then you're going to reveal how basically each part of the book is related to the other parts. You'll be able to put it all back together. Many verses that are hard to understand become clear when seen in the larger context of the book in which they are found. And the place of a verse and a book is often the key to understanding it and what God teaches through it. Doing a book survey reveals the proper emphasis of each point in the book. It keeps the study of God's word balanced, lessening the possibility of uh overemphasizing, or minimizing any one point. It is interesting that most cults and heresies have arisen throughout history when people overemphasize some verse or doctrine and build their whole theology on a few verses taken out of context while ignoring much of the rest of God's revelation. So the book survey lets you see the whole picture so that you don't overemphasize or minimize any individual part. Let me just say it again. This is very important. You're going to do this so that you can gain an understanding of the purpose, the theme, the structure, and the content. Background, you're trying to see what lies behind the book. Survey, you're kind of getting a bird's eye view of the book so that you can see the purpose, the theme, the structure, and the content. Now, number three. So number one, book background. Number two, book survey. Number three, the chapter analysis method. The chapter analysis. Now, you could just call it analysis method, but you need to know what you're analyzing. It's the chapter analysis method because now you're going to go from the background to a survey to the analysis of each chapter. The third stage of studying the book of the Bible is to do a chapter analysis of each chapter of that book. After the survey study has been completed and you have a pretty good grasp and overview of the book, you begin to examine its individual parts. Since most chapter divisions are suitable and useful, it's best to examine the parts in this way. Chapter analysis involves gaining a thorough understanding of the material of a chapter of a book by looking carefully at each paragraph, sentence, and word in intense detail and systematic manner. All right. Now, th- there's more here we could break down, but I- I'm not. I'm not going to go through here. Chapter analysis, when done along with the book serve, with well, the book background, book survey, and book synthesis, enables us to understand the Bible in a way in which it was written. And whole books. It's also a method which we- which we use limited outside helps, thus enabling us to learn the scriptures on our own. There's far more I could say about the chapter analysis method. Because it really comes down to kind of a chapter summary method, a verse by verse analysis, and a chapter conclusion method. There's really this really kind of brings in three other methods, which could get extremely confusing. But I, I will I will I will try to keep you from getting confused. All right, so let's go through these again. All right, book background. We're seeing what lies behind the book. Right. We got to know the, con- the, the historical context, political environment, cultural. We got to know everything about the background, right? Book background. Then a book survey. Survey is you're getting a, a bird's eye view of the book so that you can understand the writer's purpose, theme, structure, and content. Then you're going to go to the chapter analysis. You are going to take apart every chapter of the book. You are going to in, in analyze every part Every single part of an individual of each chapter within a book, you've already seen the book as a whole. You've already seen the background. Now you got to get into, you got to really get into the the tree. You got to really get into the forest. You really really got to get into the weeds and then you're going to start, but see, you're going to have the ability. You should feel confident at this point, even though it's going to feel so overwhelming, once you get to the chapter analysis, that's where it's going to feel like everything's breaking apart, like you're drowning, like the boat is sinking, the house is on fire, the dam is breaking. I don't know what what words to use because it it feels a little overwhelming, but at least you have some confidence because you're like, I know the background, I know the purpose and I know the content, I know the I know the structure. You 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 still have these other things to grab on to while you're trying to figure out how to analyze every single part. Now, after you've done that, you're going to do the book synthesis method of Bible study. Then you're going to do the book synthesis method of Bible study. And studying a book of the Bible, we begin with the background. Then we move to a survey. Okay. Which examined the book as a whole. And then we, then, uh, then we examined the book carefully, chapter by chapter, analyzing each verse in each chapter. Now we're going to come to the last method. Okay. And this will help you summarize and condense what you have learned from the previous methods. This is going to help you try to outline and condense everything you got from the previous three methods. Right. The book synthesis method involves studying a book as a whole unit of thought by reading it straight through many times and summarizing its contents on the basis of the previous study and the analysis of each of its chapters. The word synthetic is derived from the Greek preposition sin, which means together, and the verbal root, which means to put, so that the uh, meaning is putting together. Synthetic is the opposite of analytic, which means taking apart, right? We're going to be put it, we're going to, this is where you're going to put everything together. And synthesis, we ignore the details and look at the whole picture. In this method, we put together what we took apart in the previous one. In the analysis method, you're taking everything apart. And then you're going to be like, oh no, I got 50,000 pieces here. What do I do? Calm down. Synthesis method. Now you put it all back together. Background, survey, analysis, synthesis, right? The synthesis method makes a natural conclusion to an in-depth study of of a single book of the Bible. Used in combination with the other methods... This study enables you to see the book as a whole again after having looked at the parts in detail. You'll put the book back together so you can see all the details of the book in its proper perspective. You do this by reading the book, producing a final outline, finding a descriptive title for it, summarizing your overall conclusions um, about the book, and writing out an application. And it's 56 minutes. We've been stud- we've been working together on this. We we made it. I'm going to put it all back together here. You ready? Here's the reality. Christians are biblically illiterate. Christians are theologically illiterate, doctrinally illiterate. The church is a spiritual mess. Christians are so distracted. Christians are divided. And Christians have been politically and ideologically hijacked. The only way to fix any of these problems is not ranting and screaming and yelling about it. It's to try to tell Christians, Hey, I need you to get off the couch. I need you to turn off Fox news. I need you to stop listening to Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, or whatever other, or something on the left, Rachel Maddow, whatever, CNN, MSNBC. I don't care where you got to stop with all of this ideological political stuff. And we need to get back to the word of God. But I'm not just going to say, get back to the word of God. I've got to give you the necessary tools so that you can get back into the word of God and actually read it, see it, understand it, apply it, and interpret it so that we can grow by it because it's the word of God that we need. It is the word of God that we need. So you need a comprehensive method. If you want a comprehensive knowledge, it requires a comprehensive method. And the comprehensive method can be summarized, well, in some very simple words which I have given to you. And those words are background, survey, analysis, and synthesis. Background, survey, analysis, and synthesis. So the background method, the background method is to help you see what lies behind the book. Then you're going to move to the survey, which is going to give you a bird's eye view of the whole book. Then you're going to do an analysis, which you're going to study everything in each chapter in detail. Then the synthesis, you're going to put it all back together again and draw some conclusions. Now, the goal. The goal. If I can uh, find my list here. Give me one second. Oh, actually, I know where I posted it. The goal here is that I'm going to try to get you to use these four methods, which actually make up one, on the following books: Amos, Jonah, Hosea, and Micah. Now, that's probably consider that's that that is probably way too. And ambitious, ambitious, if I can say the word correctly. Way too ambitious. Way, I'm, 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 I'm reaching too far. So the real goal is we will be doing work in Amos, Jonas, Jonah, Hosea, and Micah. We will be doing work in all. All right. You're going to have the curriculum. You're going to be able to use if, if you want to use the curriculum, but at least one of these books. In fact, I'm going to probably give you the option. You can choose Amos. You can choose Jonah. You can choose Hosea or you can choose Micah. You can pick which one, but one of those four, you're going to use the background, the survey, the analysis, and the synthesis to do a comprehensive method of Bible study. I I just want you to do one. If this is the only one you've ever done in your life, if it's the only one you ever do in your life, if you'll do one, it could have a profound impact on you spiritually For this very reason, I need you to hear me out. A good portion of your Christian life, you've probably come to conclusions. You've probably told people the text means something. You've probably found yourself arguing with people about the meaning of the text. You've probably defended your interpretation, thinking you're right and thinking they are wrong. But in many cases, you did that without ever truly understanding the background. You never actually understood the survey of the book. You definitely never did a clear analysis of the book and you never did a synthesis of the book. Once you do that to a book, you'll probably then realize, wow, how foolish have I been? And the minute you are hit with that reality, it humbles you. And humility is such a key element to spiritual growth. So if the only thing happens by doing this is that you are kind of broken and realize, man, I have spoken from a position of ignorance, not one of knowledge. If you reach that I don't care if you if you walk away not knowing anything about Amos, Jonah, Hosea, Micah. I don't care if you finish it and you're like, man, I'm never going to do these Bible study methods again. But if you come to the conclusion and realize, man, I just realized how much I haven't known and how arrogant I have spoken. I have spoken as if I was an expert and I just realized, wow, I am so far from being an expert. And let me make it very clear. I am not speaking about these methods as if I'm an expert. I'm speaking about these methods as someone who's been broken by these methods and realized how much I didn't know after thinking how much I did know. I don't teach these methods because I think I've got it figured out. I teach these methods because I know I don't have it figured out. Therefore, we need these methods to keep us humble And to give us the tools we need so that we can try to figure out something. And without a comprehensive method, we do not have a comprehensive knowledge or a comprehensive understanding. Incomplete method, incomplete knowledge. And even with a comprehensive method, you're still going to be left with things you don't understand or know or can answer. Which should only humble you even more. I don't like that. I don't like when I end and I hear silence. I was hoping for cheers. I was hoping for, I was hoping like, wow, you just, you, that, that, this, this is, I don't even know what to do. I wanted to hear something, but, but I'm just going to have to settle that that silence is that people are, are just stunned, right? No, I, obviously I'm in an empty room. So, so, but I, if I was to teach this from the pulpit, I've done it multiple times. And you know what I usually met with? You can just see in the eyes of everyone, <laughs> no way, no chance, never going to happen. Okay, someone just said thank you, Sounds and they said sounds like a challenge, but a worthy one. I, I hope it, I mean, I can't, I can't say it's not challenging. It is, but I, I think the book background won't be as hard as you think. The survey really won't be, I don't think, as hard. The analysis is where I think everyone quits. I think between survey and analysis, no, I've never had anyone get to synthesis. Now, I had some teenagers many years ago, like, oh, what are you talking about? We're, we're gonna show you. And they, I, I don't think they made it past, I don't think they made it. Maybe they got to analysis. They, 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 they definitely completed, and in fact, it was in this room, that I'm currently standing. That they had books scattered all over the place, and they were like, "We're gonna show him," and uh, it, it it didn't work out. It didn't work out that way. Well, they tried though. I'll, I think they I think they wanted to prove a point, but it, it 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 gets a little overwhelming. So I think I think survey you should just like or, I'm sorry background you should just be like yeah yeah I got this I got this survey you should be like ooh I'm a little concerned. But, but then when you get ready to go into analysis, don't immediately panic and just say, oh, that's it. Eject, eject. Get me out of this airplane. No, jump over. I'm going to jump off the boat. No, no, no. You got to go. Okay. Okay. This is going to get crazy. This is going to get crazy. Hold on. And then when synthesis happens, I think you'll be like, okay, wow. Okay. Now, now I see. Now I see. And, Analysis is going to lead you down a dark, 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 dark tunnel, okay? Synthesis helps you get back out of it, but you got to go down into the tunnel. You got to go down into the mine if you're going to get the gold. You got to go down into the mine to get whatever the, the resource is. And here the resource is the, is the truth of God's word. You got to go down into the dark, 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 deep mine, and that's the analysis. Synthesis will help you come back out. But we will modify uh, the, the person who's, who is saying things in the chat right now. I've already asked this individual to help me modify. So here's what we're going to do. When I teach the book background method, then I'm going to look to this individual going, okay, what did you think? And they're going to be like, well, I think this part is complicated and this part. If we could change this, if we, and I'm going to take their suggestion and other people as well. I'm going to be asking other individuals. And then I'm going to take their suggestions, come back, and then I may do like book background method part one, book, book, bar, book background method part two. And then part two may be a modification. Okay. Hey guys, we're going to modify. And so I usually don't ask for that kind of input, but I'm going to modify it because I think the people in the pew, they're the ones who can go, well, well no way. They're like, I don't even understand what that, that is. And then I can come back and go, we're going to throw out step three. Not step three of these four methods, but step three in the book background method, right? Because the book background method, I got to look at my notes here. The book background method has, where is it in my notes? Where is the the book background method has eight steps. Has eight steps, all right? And I'm already going to be modifying those eight steps because typically I teach the book background method well you and and i i usually teach the book background method in a completely different way right in other words you can modify the book background method to be the first step of these this four step process or you can completely remove the book background for, from the others from survey analysis and synthesis but I don't. I, I think that that's a mistake. So I'm going to put it together. But I, I'll, I'll, I'll demonstrate how you can use the book background when you're not trying to do this most comprehensive study. When you're just reading something and you're like, "Wait a minute, what in the world's going on here? What are they talking about? Like, like I don't understand what this is." Time for background check. All right. But I'm going to, we're going to look at it just like, no, we're going to study the background of the book. So we'll modify these eight steps. But then I, so I'm going to already do my own modification. And then when I'm done, you're going to come along and go, hopefully the individual listening will say, ah, that's still not working. And I'm like, okay, help me out, help me out, help me out here. And then, then I'll, I'll change it. Now, I don't know if anyone's going to help me out, but if they help me out, they're providing an absolutely massive service because anybody who hears this anywhere around the world can go, ah. that that's that modification. That I, I guarantee you, a lot of people will hear your modifications and go, "Wow, that makes far more sense than what he did." Because I, I, I will acknowledge that my modifications may not be the most helpful. All right, someone said they will do their best. Like, the thing is, is it, all you have to do is just say, well, "Couldn't we do it this way?" Wouldn't Wouldn't this way? All you got to do is just just share whatever you're thinking. It doesn't matter because there's a very good chance that your perspective is going to be like, ah, that, man, I'll probably be like, why didn't I see that? I may be looking at it more from a seminary or Bible college, Bible Institute, all the schools I went to. I may be looking at it more from that perspective. The person in the pew may may not see it from that way, but that doesn't mean that their modification is wrong. It just means they're modified. I can take them maybe a more this more complex idea and and simplify it so you still get the same results, just in an easier way, right? Sometimes in school, it's about making it the most difficult, (laughs) not not always necessarily the easiest. The goal is to help you get the comprehensive knowledge. The goal is not simply to make you do 15,000 steps for the sake of doing 15,000 steps. So if we can eliminate... A thousand of those 15,000 were well then, oh, guess what? We'll, uh, I, we will be more than willing to do that. But like the book background, it's eight. So we have, so choose, list, obtain, get, discover, research, summarize, write out. Well, the choose is easy. Summarize and write out is pretty explanatory, it's, you know, self-explanatory. That's not going to require much work. The list is easy. That's easy. You're just listing your reference tools. Now, then the geography, the history, the culture, and the politics. We're, well, I'll probably add one. I'll probably add one. Uh, there's one I'll add. I'm just looking at some uh, some previous notes So, because um, I, I modify it every time I teach it. But I think we can make that one workable because some of those things you're going to look at and you're not even going to find much information. It really – to me, the book background is just how dedicated you are to pick up a couple of reference tools, and then write it out. the The book background is easy; it, it really is. So we, we we won't we won't have to modify that one much. I think I can make that one as easy as possible. It's going to be when we get to the uh, chapter analysis. That's where the wills are going to come. Everybody's going to be like, "Wait, I'm so confused. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I don't know how many times." college, if I was in a math class, I always came out going, did anyone understand any of that? What was that? I I just came from Greek class. I got Greek. I got Hebrew. I don't have a clue what we just learned in math. And they're like, you're in the fundamentals of math uh, class. I know. And I still don't understand it because math is confusing to me. Okay. But, but you get the idea. There's always this class. You're like, does anyone understand when we get into the chapter analysis, it's going to be like, what just happened? I didn't understand one word, and it's going to be up to me to go, well, we need to modify. And we'll modify. If it takes us seven parts, we'll modify it down until then you have the tool, and then you can go work. All right, I'm going to stop right there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at, yahoo, at yahoo.com. I hope you will. If you know anybody else who would really want to learn the most comprehensive method of Bible study, I ask that you will tell them to tune in to the Theology Central podcast. Even if they don't listen to the other 500 things we're working on, they will at least listen to the best method of Bible study as a part of our Bible study exercise series. If you have the Church One app, Church O-N-E, download the Church One app. Look for Theology Central. Choose us as your... Chosen broadcaster, and then just look for the series Bible study exercise. And whenever you see the best method of Bible study, part one, part two, part three, part four, part five, part six, just listen to those. And if someone and 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 if you want to participate just in that, you don't want to do anything else, then let me know that you're participating and let me know what I can do to help you so that you can have the understanding of the most comprehensive method of Bible study so that you can use it. To, to, to end up with the most comprehensive understanding of the Word of God, which should be your desire. All right, email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, one hour and 13 minutes. I'm going to be asking some people if it was a worthy one hour and 13 minutes. I hope it was. Thanks for listening. God bless.